0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode seven of the Uniquely Better Life podcast hosted by the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana. I am your host, Chase Cotton, the community director here, and I'm excited to have my friend Lisa here to talk about navigating difficult social situations in recovery. Last month, we talked about budgeting and finances in recovery, and this month we are diving into really the relational kind of awkward ups and downs that come with re-entering some of those relationships that um, might have had burned bridges early on in, in one's addiction. So that's where we're at. Uh, before we get started, here's some intro music and then we'll dive in. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you go ahead and take the moment to introduce yourself?
1: Thanks for having me, Chase. It's wonderful to be here. Um, My name is Lisa. Um, My clean date is May 3rd of 2019. Um, I work an NA program, which uh, I still go to HA meetings and CA meetings and OA meetings, um, but the program that I work to stay clean or sober uh, is the NA program.
0: Nice. Well, congratulations on your sobriety. That's awesome. Thank you. It's wonderful. So you're approaching three years then? I am, yeah. Congratulations. That's no small feat. It's hard work.
1: Thank you. It really is every day.
0: So can you tell us before we get into some of the interview questions here, why this topic? Why was this topic the most interesting to you to come talk about?
1: Um, Well, when I think about it, it's probably one of the most prominent things in my recovery that I'm proud of. Okay. Um, the way I've handled things with my family, with my friends, with coworkers, um, it's taken a lot of work mm-hmm. and it, it's something that I want to help other people to understand um, that it is possible and that you can be successful and that it's it shouldn't have to be this terrible thing that you have to, no one's ever been through it before and it's awful and it's hard because it, it can be hard but it is it is a beautiful thing when it all comes together and and people are able to respect your boundaries and you're able to respect yourself
0: i love that i love your connection between um, boundaries and respect mm-hmm. So i think sometimes when we're setting those initial boundaries in our mental health and or recovery journeys we think we're doing something mean but it is about respect for ourselves absolutely I think that's a really uh, really wise statement that you shared So I've got a few questions here. Uh, Each one is kind of associated with like a different social situation that folks might find themselves in early in their recovery and healing journey. And I want to just sort of walk through your situation, kind of get little pieces of your story and any advice you would share with our audience about what do we do? (laughs) Because like it or hate it, society is stigmatized, right? Like they are not friendly to people who have an addiction history Um, And they're not friendly to people who have a mental illness history, um, regardless of where we're at in our stage of recovery and healing. And that stigma has a way of playing itself out, most particularly in our intimate relationships with each other. Uh, And that can be really, really painful to experience. So that's why I've I've, decided to to sort of divide it into just a few different types of situations and um, knowledge bits. So let's go and dive in. All right. So situation one. Right now, it's the month of August, so we're before some of the major holidays. You know, we've got Halloween coming up and some of the fall harvest festivals and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And at pretty much all of these holiday gatherings, there's going to be drinking. (laughs) There's going to be... Uh, family members and friends, some of which might be from our old life, some of which might be new friends, new family members that we've reconnected with. How do we navigate that in a way that protects our sobriety and mental health?
1: Um, first of all, it's important to let everyone know in your life that you're in recovery. Now, I don't mean necessarily like go put yourself on blast at your, at your job and tell everybody I'm in recovery. Um, but your close family members, your extended family, your friends that you hang out with on a regular basis, because if you're hiding your recovery, you're not allowing yourself to grow. Mm. Um, it may be difficult with the extended family as you don't want to be seen as the failure or the person who, you know, screwed up early in life. Um, but it's important to see yourself, uh, that recovery makes you a success, Uh, today, instead of being ashamed, um, my mom can be proud of me that she talks to my extended family. Um, my immediate family is grateful that I'm in recovery. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be in recovery and to be a recovering addict. Yeah. So, uh, recently I, um, was hanging out with my mom. My parents live in Florida and, um, they're pretty heavy drinkers. Mm -hmm. Um, now my parents respect that I'm in recovery and don't drink in front of me um my mom hides her alcohol in a little mug like a little travel mug yeah um but they had to get together with one of their friends they live in florida so they have like lots of tiki parties and sure. such um and my mom said oh i've got this friend you know they're celebrating their wedding and they're gonna have a tiki bar and some guy's gonna be singing uh jimmy buffett songs on his guitar <laughs> course, and buffett. i said i was texting her and i thought Oh, it would really mean a lot for her if I was there. And then I thought about it and I
0: was was like, that
1: sounds awful. Right. That sounds so bad.
0: Sounds like one big trigger device.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So I was just really honest with her. I said, mom, that sounds really terrible. I really don't want to be there. Um, And she paused and she said, I completely respect your decision. She's like, me and your dad will go. Um, And it took a lot for me to get there because last Christmas, Um, I did go to a party with my family and everyone was drinking and Mm -hmm. I was there and I didn't want to say no because it was my mom's best friend and it was just, it was a mess. I ended up sitting on the porch, Mm -hmm. texting my sponsor and I was just miserable. And she was like, do you have an escape plan? I said, no, I was like, I'm here with my family. I said, there's no way out. And she was like, well, all you can do is just, she's like, keep talking to me. She said, you know, just... Find a non-alcoholic drink. That's that's an option for you. All they had was soda, so that was that had to be fine. Um, right. But I didn't prepare for the situation. I I mean, my mom's best friend knew I was in recovery, but they were more concerned with having a party and having fun with themselves. Sure. So they I wasn't the priority.
0: Right. And I think in most cases we won't be. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The world does not revolve around us. Or it's our recovery, true. Even if our world revolves around our recovery. It's true. So you, you mentioned preparation, you mentioned escape plans. Can you dive a little bit more into some of those practical tools? What do you mean by those things?
1: Um, so it's it's nice to it's nice to get a heads up. Um, so before you go to your family gatherings, or hang out with friends or hang out with coworkers, get a scope of what you're going to be doing. Okay, or where are we going? Are we going to so-and-so's house to so-and-so drink? If mm. so, can so-and-so understand that I don't drink? Ask them if there are any non-alcoholic beverages that they can offer, something that you love. I love sparkling water. Uh, I love mocktails. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in recovery don't agree with this, but non-alcoholic beer uh, is an option um, in the na program it's it's kind of a touchy subject yeah. um, but it is it is a healthy alternative for people who who don't drink um, kombucha is another one that is a little bit uh, questionable to some people in recovery, um, but that I have found works really well for me. Um, so it's it's nice to have those options but an escape plan is also a good one. Um, with my parents, I have learned that I need to, Um, let them know, just say, hi, mom, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. You know, can we, can we go, uh, if, if I don't have the option to go by myself, finding a friend or a cousin or a sibling, I'm really blessed. I have a sister who doesn't drink. So, uh, it's really nice for me to, to be in those situations, um, with my family. Having
0: an ally right there with
1: you. Exactly. I'm not the only one. Mm Um, And again, having those options, having, you know, your favorite soda or your favorite beverage um, that's non-alcoholic is a really great alternative. I had a situation where my little sister had a baby shower Mm -hmm. and everyone was drinking mimosas. And that happens to be one of my favorite drinks when I was in active addiction. Um, But I found that if I mixed orange juice and sparkling water, I didn't miss the alcohol. It was a wonderful, it, it tasted great. I felt like I was part of, you know, the party sure. and I, I didn't have to, I didn't have to use to be a part of that party.
0: Yeah. That's so important. I appreciate all those practical tools because I feel like sometimes we, we build it up in our heads that it's going to be this massive discussion, this massive conversation that, you know, every time we have to say no, we're going to have to completely defend ourselves. But sometimes it is just as easy as preparing yourself and letting people know like, man, not going to do that
1: and another thing that's important is don't think of it as an escape plan because you don't want to escape your family gatherings think of it as an exit plan like just exit gracefully yeah um and another thing is don't be afraid to say no right so if someone off people who don't know you're in recovery get used to saying no get some practice sure um people are going to offer you if they don't know they're going to offer you here have a cocktail have a beer. Uh, just get used to saying, you don't have to say, I don't drink. Or, no, I'm not like one of you. Just say, no, thank you. Right. Or, no, no, thanks, I'm good. That's a perfectly acceptable response. And no, not you're in no recovery. is a one-word sentence, you know? Yeah,
0: that, that's really powerful. So, okay, situation number two. Similar but different. We are with our friends. Maybe it's a Friday afternoon. We just got off work. Everybody's going to the pub down the street for dinner together to hang out and chat. Darn near every restaurant in America serves alcohol. How do we navigate this? Because like for some, like even the environment of walking into a pub or a restaurant that has a bar at it is gonna feel triggering. It's like, what do we do?
1: Well, I will let you know. It does get easier the longer you do it. Okay. Um, I I found when I first. Was in recovery. It was really difficult for me to go to a brewery or a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very triggering. Um, it was it was scary um, because I let it be scary. I didn't prepare myself. Um,
0: and early on, is it okay to avoid those places?
1: Absolutely, it, it's important to avoid those places. People will always be willing to listen to you if they're if they're meant to be in your life and they're a good friend or a good coworker or a good family member. They will respect your decisions. They will respect your opinions, right. uh, and they will listen to you. They won't just shut you down and say, "Well, no, this is my favorite bar. We have to go here." Mm-hmm. They'll say, "Okay, I understand you're in recovery. You know, maybe this is something we can avoid. Maybe we can go to this restaurant instead." Sure. Uh, be willing to talk to people about where you meet. Um, find re- do your research. Find places that are um, you know sober friendly mm-hmm. that have those options. Um, there's one um, particular bar in Indianapolis called The Mousetrap, and they're they're a venue. They they host music. They host live music, and they're yeah. a bar. But they have an extensive menu of non alcoholic beverages, mocktails, non alcoholic beers, uh, fancy sodas. Uh, and it's a they a lot more inclusive, than a lot, lot more inclusive, and they host trivia. Um, so there are, if you do your research, there are a lot of really good places um, that offer non-alcoholic options. Um, so it's important to just see, you know, find a place that has your favorite soda. If you prefer Coke over Pepsi, find a place that has just Coke products, and you know, maybe Shirley Temples or or something like that. Sure,
0: yeah, I love that because you know that's just a matter of doing a quick Google search, right? And finding exactly. A menu and, checking it out and i think that also uh is a point against the idea that you can't have fun in exactly well, there's still hip places that you can go with your friends that aren't necessarily like chuck e cheese like, exactly place that's like fun and feels nice to be in you feel like an adult where you're there but it's not going to be nearly as tempting uh you know for for use i think that's great so what what about like either at the family gathering or with friends after work at the pub. What if someone does start pressuring me? What if they're like, well, wh- why not? Like I, t- I practice, I've said, no, said, no, nah, I'm not going to drink tonight. No, nah, I don't really want that. Thanks though. And they're like, that's, that's weird. Like, why not? What? Like they're really starting to push you. What do you do?
1: <sighs> that's really difficult. Um, so for me personally, I, I've I've learned to just be confident in your decision, mm-hmm. be confident in yourself because if people see that you are confident, if they see you're wavering like, oh, well, maybe I can just take one drink, maybe I can just take one sip, they'll continue to pressure you and they'll, they'll try to break you down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to know that, again, no is a one-word sentence. Yeah. And you may have to be a little more firm and you may have to say, you may have to include, no, I don't drink, you know this is dangerous for me. I'd really appreciate it if you would stop. If you respect me, you'll stop right now.
0: So a little self-disclosure can go a long way. It
1: really can.
0: So in that instance, you know, you're not necessarily required to share your entire life story with this. Of course. Like they might not even have the relational equity and trust built up with you at that point to do so. But just saying something as simple as no, I don't drink. Please stop. Yeah. Has that worked for you? Has that typically shut things down like that?
1: You know, again, I haven't really had that happen to me. I don't put myself in situations with people who, who do that to me. I don't go out to bars. I, yeah. I don't go out to bars with people who may pressure me.
0: I don't surround well, so my... you can sniff out these people beforehand. Absolutely, absolutely. Just tell us what to look for then. The Where party folks,
1: the party, the fun havers, the Margaritavilles, the the wine mommies. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of the time, people just want to... Um, they want to justify their own drinking or their own heavy drinking by having everyone around them drink too. Interesting. So I have seen people who like the wine mommy culture, Mm -hmm. they don't want to be alone. They want to drink with people so that they're not alone. Uh, And if I've actually read a lot of articles that talk about um, the wine mommy culture and about how, it's a very social thing and they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to feel like they're the bad guy for drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't want to feel like they're pressured to not drink. They want to continue to drink. They want to live that life. Right. But again, bringing a healthy alternative, say, no, I have my kombucha or no, I have my tea. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really comfortable with this. I'd really appreciate it if you would respect my decision. And, you know, I tell them, I don't judge you. Say, I don't think less of you. I don't think that you're a bad person because you're drinking. It's just not my path.
0: Yeah. It's not about you. It's about me. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's really important. I I chuckle to myself because I think this is the first time I've ever heard. Wine mommy culture <laughs> described at any length at all, and I, when you when you are describing it, like all of these Instagram accounts start popping into my mind. Yep. you're so right. Like I think they're lonely. Like, yep. I think I think they are trying to find ways to build relationship, but they're using drinking as a method and trying to find excuses to do that. Yep. What can I dive into that a little bit? I didn't prepare for, sure. you for this question, but what role does belonging? play in this social aspect whether it's drinking or whether it's other types of drugs like what role does simply wanting to be a part of a whole play in the pressure
1: i think as humans we are naturally driven to be a community we're we're made we were humans we were made to work together Mm -hmm. and we're built on community um we all we tend to seek out you know there's anime conventions and there's there's NRA. There's uh, there's all these different groups of people that want to feel a part of something. Yeah. Um, they all want to feel like their hobby, their their talent, their their interest. They're not alone, in it and they want to join other people. Um, the alcohol culture and the using culture um, is is really strong, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming. It's on TV. You know, it's on. It's in Instagram videos. Um, it's it's on a social- lot more prevalent. Visually. It is. It definitely is. Um, and as hard as we may try, you know, there are more and more young people falling into it because they see it on TV or they see their mom drinking and they say, well, it's okay. She does it. You know, I can be a wine mommy too. Sure. It's fine. Um, but also what's important is to see that the recovery culture is is just as thriving exactly it's there's so many again with this these bars and these venues that that host non-alcoholic options that you know venues that that host artists that don't drink Mm -hmm. you know people that just groups of people that are are in recovery i mean i think about na as as a whole it was it was born in the 70s with jimmy k um back then there was maybe one or two na meetings Uh, in, in, each, in each state. Now there's hundreds of NA meetings. Mm-hmm. I went to Portland, Oregon a couple months ago and there was a, uh, a house, a big three-story house with like a, a front desk and they hosted like 10 to 12 meetings a day. That's awesome. It was incredible and it was just, you know, drugs, recreational drugs are legal in, in Portland, right. in Oregon. So I can imagine how hard it is for people who are in recovery to be in a state where drugs like that are legal. Right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really important to remember that we are not alone as people in recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as, as hard as it is to not feel a part of a group, um, for me, it was really hard to get out of the drinking culture and to, to feel, I felt very alone at first. I didn't, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go to a brewery with my friends and enjoy one beer. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately that's not an option for me. It doesn't ever stop with one. Right. So it was, it was important for me to find my people, mm-hmm. um, kept going to meetings, joined some online groups, did some research. Um, one thing that I found really helpful was uh, a group called meetup. Okay. It's an app that you can download and you can join different groups. Oh, nice. They have like a hiking group and a book club group. There are a lot of drinking groups. There are a lot of like girls night out sure. or drinking books book club or whatever. But I, I joined a lot of sober meetups and a lot of mental health for anxiety and depression groups. And we did fun things. We did ax throwing. Um, we, we met at a coffee shop and we just discussed recovery. We went out to a movie one time. We saw the new Spider-Man movie. Um, and I met a lot of amazing people. A lot of them are not in the program that I work, um, but they were focused on recovery. They had been maintaining their sobriety right. for whatever reason. Uh, and it was just wonderful to, to join a group of people and to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you just, you really have to be open to it. You know, you right. really have to, you have to be willing to change people, places and things.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So You've heard it here, folks, like the the myth that the only way to build a relationship or to belong to a whole is through use or through drinking or whatever social pressures you might be facing, it, that, that myth is totally false. Absolutely. Like, totally false. You can for sure belong to a community of people without those things pressuring you into using. So that's so helpful. What was that app called? Meetup, you said? Meetup,
1: yeah. Just meetup. Uh, I think it's strung together as one word. Um, but it's just an app that you download and you can select the different options that appeal to you, you know, what your interests are. Um, it's, it's amazing. And I've actually met one of my best friends from there, um, through the sober meetup. Uh, and we're still friends today. She's, she doesn't work a strict program. Um, so we're not as close as we once were when she was completely, you know, abstaining, but we still, we still stay in touch. Sure.
0: That's awesome. So go download that meetup app folks go to your app store and download that if there's anybody from meetup listening please consider this (laughs) free advertising you can sponsor our (laughs) podcast just email me (laughs) all right so let's just end with a couple final points about like setting firm boundaries earlier in this season we talked about um you know old friends and new friends uh, back in march and that you know i feel like we have to revisit that within the navigating difficult socialist situations topic, because like it, it's not like those people just go away that we used to use with. it's not like they just are suddenly not people anymore. Like there's a high chance that they're going to reach out to us again, even us being in recovery. So how has setting firm boundaries worked for you? Is there any practical advice you can share on that front?
1: Um, well, I've gotten really good at saying no. I'm generally a people pleaser, so it's hard for me um, in general. But prioritizing your recovery uh, over anything else is important. I have to do anything for my recovery. I don't deserve to feel uncomfortable. Um, Mm, That's powerful. I I don't deserve to
0: feel uncomfortable. I don't. I I
1: deserve all the good things. Uh, I deserve to feel safe in my own skin. Sitting at home with a book or in front of the TV is better than getting high. If people are truly meant to be in your life, they will understand. Yeah, I've had to uh, sort of phase myself out of a bunch of different people mm-hmm. who who don't who don't understand. you know, they 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 see the things on TV. they see addicts and recovery. I know. Um, the show Euphoria was yeah. really. Really intense. Two, sure. uh, and I, I really appreciate the show because of how they, they show the nitty gritty. They don't just show the glorification. Um, they they're show the ugliness. Of the substances. very ugliness, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's hard because the main character is such a despicable person yeah. and does so many terrible things. People see that and they think, oh, that's what an addict is. They're just conniving and they're it's terrible. Ultimately very
0: stigmatizing to the community. Very
1: stigmatizing. Um, so it is difficult um, to talk to people about that kind of thing and to not be lumped into that category of I'm just a terrible person. Right. Uh, when I was in active addiction, I did do terrible things. Sure. Um, but again, a lot of people should understand, you know, the person that they used to be isn't the person they are today. Right. You know, you're not who you were in your in your teens or your 20s. I'm sure when you were 16, you said a lot of terrible things to your mom this is when true. you were mad. <laughs> this is true. Um, so you have to you have to help people understand that just because this is something that I once said, that's not who I am today.
0: Yeah, I love that. And the people who are meant to be in your life will love you for who you are today, regardless of that past, regardless of the ups and downs that you've experienced. Like, and those people will respect those boundaries right just like we were talking about earlier they'll respect it when you say i'm not i'm not going to drink they'll respect it when you say I, i'd rather not go to that restaurant or pub or you know what this party isn't meant for me i'm going to find some other plans tonight like those people who truly love you will respect that
1: and if they don't then they're not meant to be in your life exactly. what 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 would you you know you wouldn't keep somebody in your life that wants you to die Right. Or that wants you to go back out there. Because for me, if I go back out there, I will die. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not, you don't want to keep people in your life that want to harm you.
0: Yeah. And whether or not they understand that's their desire, that's what they're advocating for when they pressure you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so powerful. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your wisdom and your stories. Thank your you for having me. I think this is going to be a really valuable episode for our listeners um, this has been episode seven of the Uniquely Better Life podcast. Uh, next month in September, we'll be talking about explaining addiction history to employers and potential employers, which is another particularly difficult social situation that not many folks are preparing you for early on in your recovery journey. So we're excited to dive into that. Also in September, it's Recovery Awareness Month, and we are so stoked to host the second annual Hendricks County Recovery Awareness Music and Arts Festival coming up in just about three weeks on September 10th, Saturday, September 10th, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the new Murphy Park in Avon, Indiana. We are really excited to host several great bands, including our headliners Fox Royale from Joplin, Missouri, uh, local favorites Annalise and Allie, as well as a group of high school students from the Launch Pad in Plainfield. And we'll have uh, a few food trucks. We're going to have Porkopolis, uh, barbecue from Indianapolis, as well as their dessert truck with them. We're going to have Kona Ice selling their ices, which will be delicious. And then we've got uh, about a dozen local artists who are going to be selling their artwork. Many of them are in recovery themselves or are... Uh, allies of the recovery community some handmade goods vendors and vintage clothing vendors and we'll have about a dozen community partners as well other resource providers and treatment providers in the greater indianapolis area this is a family friendly event It's a dry sober event tickets are just 10 bucks on the willow center website so go to the willowcenter.com you can click on the pop-up or navigate to events and you'll find the ticket link there it's just 10 bucks I really encourage you to get your tickets ahead of time so that you don't have to wait to get in at the gate. Um, Kids 12 years and younger are free. There's going to be some yard activities and games and face painting for the kiddos too. So this is going to be a great event for the whole family. Again, Saturday, September 10th, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. We hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana, and we'll see you next month.